Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to the 152nd edition of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice, and it is uh, spring training has sprung. We are uh, in the middle of that good old spring training time where uh, people get hurt, and then the injuries are underplayed. Uh, they're underplayed, except for when, of course, we decide to talk about them. And, uh, and and make a big deal about what they mean for the upcoming uh, the upcoming season. That's that's kind of where we are. It's uh, March first today when we're recording this, which means there's a whole month of games still to play, uh, basically. Uh, but we're going to talk about all that and so much more. And, and joining me, as always, the uh, the the manalist, the <laughs> old reliable the manalist, Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Uh, I. Before we get started, we should um, congratulate you. You will be doing your manalizing uh, in a new place now. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm joining the Athletic. I think most people probably have seen that uh, the announcement today on Twitter and then on uh, on Blue Jays Nation. I did a farewell post, got the Rosenthal bump at one point. Ken, uh, what a what a gentleman uh, <laughs> recovering from back surgery. Uh, Managed to tweet out myself and, and a couple of the other folks who are starting in other cities uh, for you know local team coverage for the athletic. Slid into my DMs, was like we're you know we're all on the same team because he, he did that because I was like this him tweeting me was something that 2008 Stoughton would have never imagined would happen because we were uh, we were little shits back then. Uh, but yeah, he, he was he was a, he was couldn't be kinder. Was like, here's my number. If you need it, we're on the same team. We're pulling in the same direction, and uh, uh, that was kind of cool. It was uh, it was an interesting day. And, uh, a lot of people had a lot of nice things to say about me. So, uh, if any of you were those, or if any of you thought that, uh, thank you. Well, you're not going to get any of that here. Good. There'll be none of that preferential treatment. Uh, but no, congratulations are of course in order. Well deserved. You've been working uh, very hard. Of, uh, well, wow. Stoughton hard. <laughs> start Stoughton hard for two years at the Nation Network, and uh, th- and I said it on Twitter, and I'll, I'll say it again. Uh, thanks to them for for kind of um, uh, doing all, all. They did a bunch of stuff kind of behind the scenes for for Birds All Day, and they obviously they let us uh, post it uh, up on uh, on on the Jays Nation or Blue Jays Nation for so long. So uh, thanks to everyone at the Nation Network, and uh, but yeah, congrats to you. Uh, now it does make it hard. How, how am I going to make fun of the Athletic now that you are a full time? I I can't. Then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not like I would. It, well, you know, go ahead and try, but I I got to get gotta get my teams back now. Yeah, your team's <laughs> got your back. The hell, uh, you you did mention uh, other cities. Uh, I believe Arizona and Kansas City were the new two new spots that are going to be launching August or uh, March fifth. Yep. And uh, the who is it? Rustin, Rustin Dodd, Dodd used which to, was definitely one of them. Yeah, and then the the Diamondbacks guy uh, or the Arizona guy. Um, well, we like should his, we should have looked this up, made sure we knew who these people were before we. Uh, well, I didn't think we we're going to be doing <laughs> all of Myrtle's marketing for him here. Huh? It is uh, right. It is it's Zach Buchanan who's starting uh, the Arizona uh, side, right. and then mark saxon for uh st louis started today as well so oh right okay there you go so yeah zach buchanan is a was he a reds guy before that uh I think. that's I that's think very that sounds familiar yeah because i remember he tweeted yeah. today that he's he's returning to arizona mm-hmm. uh, so uh, i've been fortunate that my weird sports media industry journey has kept me in basically one place except you know this little peterborough jaunt that i am currently on um but yeah a lot of people end up all over the damn place. 
Uh, but that's it's cool. It's cool to see where. Yeah, it's cool to see people go home. I know that that Israel Fair, who was doing Jay's stuff last year, is from Vancouver. Went back there, started in the athletics. Uh, uh, you know, is editing there, doing stuff out in Vancouver for the athletic as well. So uh, perhaps that is a that's a thing. Looking to get people uh, in their comfort zones, and rather than the way things used to be, where people would just roam the country from newspaper to newspaper, like the like the iron workers of yore. You, you go where the work is, right? Restless, restless souls, one and all. Uh, no, that's great. Uh, of course, we are, uh, we've had athletic people on the show before, and now we have you full-time at the Athletic. You've been ready for the Athletic since it launched in Toronto, so it's not like it's or pretty much, so it's not like it's that uh, shocking. That's some news. Sure. I think that you, you, like we talked about this a little before, you and, and uh, Jimmy Newberg in, in Dallas in Texas are a little bit of a different model because you guys aren't like beat writers. You're, you do a different thing, and I think that's, Really interesting to watch how, how this next phase of the at, at the athletic rolls out for me. Yeah, well, <laughs> they they evidently think that Jamie and I can pull in some subscribers, so that, that's probably the extent of it. Uh, Do you have a promo code for the people? Uh, yeah, exactly. Or, it is. It's the uh, theathletic.com slash Jays30, and it should be good till the end of the week. Uh, and that will get you 30% off your first year's subscription, which is a, a pretty good discount. Uh, it's, you know, and that's not just, that's not just getting me, that's getting all the Toronto coverage, all the Leafs coverage, all the, you know, uh, national big league stuff with, uh, Ken Rosenthal, like I mentioned, and, uh, you know, Emma Spann's there. There's all sorts of people in all sorts of cities. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it, obviously I'm biased now, but, and I guess I have been since I've been freelancing for them, but no, it's, it's really an incredible network of, of sports writers that they're pulling together. And it seems like. You know, they they say their business model works, and they're showing it with the the aggressive expansion that they've been doing, and uh, the response has been really positive today, and, and hopefully uh, it just keeps going. And hopefully, you know, for me, I know people are used to me maybe swearing a little more on the in the posts, and it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be I think slightly different, which I haven't quite wrapped my head around yet either. Also, uh, apparently, I have to I have to know Slack, uh, which is just like another version of Twitter to to be hooked into my veins, which I think is going to be problematic. Um, Slack's terrific. I got to say, Slack is terrific. I, this is my, it's my first uh, foray. Uh, I think it's less like Twitter, more like, um, that's more like the, like a G chat sort of thing where just everyone's in the same place at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's fine. Slack's fine. Okay. You, well, you work remotely. You got to be able to connect with your editors. That's and everything. Very, very but that's true. enough. Enough of the hard pitch for the athletic. This is where we do our shilling now. Um, but of course, lo and behold, so uh, again, congratulations to Stoughton, well-deserved, athletic, mm-hmm. Toronto, and, and beyond. Uh, but birds all day, here we are, still going strong. Nothing's going to change in that respect. We're still going to uh, continue to bring that, uh, that good content that we create. I don't know. I hate calling it content. <laughs> well, one thing that's worth pointing out, I think, at this point is that, you know, since... Uh since the podcast will no longer be showing up on Blue Jays Nation, I do not, I do not believe, unless the you know mm-hmm. unless that's something that they want to do, which I I don't see why they would. Um, so now you know now those there may be people. I think most people have it in a podcatcher. Most people are listening to it in some other way. But for those who uh, have found it some other way, found it through whatever I tweeted out, whatever you tweeted out, uh, rather than a BlueJaysStation.com link. Um, 
one, you can go to the patreon.com slash birds all day and you can listen to all the podcasts there. Uh, SoundCloud, I think it's soundcloud.com slash birds all day, which you can mm-hmm. do that. Uh, I was, we, we don't know what we're going to do with it yet, but we, uh, we are in possession of birdsallday.com. There's nothing on it right now, but, uh, that might be an option in the future as well. But, uh, uh, but for now, you, you know, people, you'll figure out how to find us, I think. And Facebook too, if you want to go yes, on banter, right. if you got that's it, right. if you have a burning, a burning something you hear on the podcast and you need to bring it up and you need to uh, take us to task or you thought it was uh, funny or, or whatever, uh, Facebook is, is a place you can do that. Um, it's not automatically posted there. We, we do it uh, manually usually, uh, you know, on the, after once it's live, but uh, you can do it there, facebook.com slash birds all day. So it's yeah. all there. Drive and, that yeah, engagement, yeah. Drive that engagement, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> it, will, it won't end up in, it's, you know. Uncle Zuckerberg turned down the algorithm, so uh, you got to seek it out a little bit more rather than have it come directly to you via the magic of paid advertising. Uh, but that's it. Okay, that's enough. House cleaning is is done for now. But it, but we're we're very happy for you and uh, and that people can still find your stories that you tell. Telling of stories mm. is uh, while we're here. So the first story we're going to tell is that uh, Marcus Stroman has uh, injured. A delightful story, an uplifting, heartwarming story. Uh, no, this is it's, it, well. Right now, that we're at the stage right now where we can easily brush it off as like, ah, it's a spring training thing, right? Yeah, that's kind of where we are. I mean, I've said this. I, I was on the radio a couple times this week, and I've been saying this ever since the the, the Stroman thing happened. Is is that that's really what I tried to do with Josh Donaldson's hamstring thing last year, which he, you know, didn't really recover from until after the All Star break. So. Maybe it's, it's it's giving me a little bit of pause. It's making me think that, you know, perhaps the team isn't quite as uh, as forthcoming about what this is. Than, you know, I'm not suggesting that they're lying. and I, I'm not really concerned, but I don't want to I don't want to be too quick to brush it off either, because it turns out you can look like a real fucking moron. It is a little scary, and I mean, I was on another. Uh, I was on the Baseball Addicts podcast yesterday. You can find that uh, I linked, linked it out on Twitter. You're there on Twitter as well. But and we had this discussion where uh, is Mark Stroman going to be ready for the beginning of the season? And I think with with Stroman and with uh, Tulowitzki in particular, I think pitchers and obviously Tulowitzki is it's a big deal. But I'm less concerned with game one than like game one fifty or game one twenty. Where you want to have your best players ready there during the meat of the season. I mean, every game counts. We know that. But considering how kind of bunched up that portion of the standings figures to be, um, you'd like to um, to see all the best players kind of raring to go. And, and that's that's the the mentality I think that the team takes. Um, you know, whether you, the team you take north for the first game of the year on March 29th this year isn't the team that ha- it's not set in stone. So. You know, it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's always scary. And anytime a pitcher is complaining of shoulder stiffness or soreness, that's something to monitor. Something you don't necessarily want to ring the alarm bell, but you want to warm it up, make sure it's like it's good and loud. Yeah. When you go to hit it. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yes, but they, you know, they are saying that the MRI came back clean, which is. The, mm-hmm. Which is the thing that you want to see, obviously, and we didn't really hear about anything with with the regard to this until the MRI was was back. Uh, so there, we fortunately missed out on like, oh, he's going for an MRI. This is scary. That kind of that kind of ominous period, which I think maybe would have made it uh, feel a little bit worse. But uh, but yeah, it's not not scary. I think a question rather than you know, is he going to be ready for the season? Is um, how do you feel about? 
you know, he was dropping down his delivery a little bit. He he does the little hiccups and tricks. Um, I mean, pitchers get hurt. Pitchers get shoulder inflammation. Get the, but but do you do you put anything into maybe that uh, playing a part in why suddenly this is happening to him right now? Sorry, say that again. The, I, I, I miss the uh, the the fact that he is you know he was mixing with mixing in like a like a, a different deliveries and uh, lowering his his arm slot at times. Doing you know he does a little hitch in his his motion and uh, I've seen people on Twitter complaining about you know maybe that's why you shouldn't do stuff like that. You should just repeat your mechanics always exactly the same um, and maybe speculating wildly that. Uh, that that could have had something to do with him having a little bit of trouble in his shoulder. I don't believe that for a second. Yeah, I don't. Either. I don't believe. It. I mean, it's convenient. It's a convenient <laughs> timing mechanism. Uh, yeah. But but I I think the sheer fact that pitching at the big league level at this time period of in time puts such incredible strain on the musculature of a human being that it could all go at any time on any anybody the the healthiest guy in the world is only that until he's not mm-hmm. and uh you know it, it, i don't know why this reminded me of jeff samarja um he he's been in the big leagues for like nine years or something now or uh, uh and and he had the choice of course he was a highly rate, rated um uh, football player. He played football in Notre Dame. He was a receiver. He uh, was drafted to go to the NFL, and he chose baseball. And now his career has lasted longer than almost all the guys that he was that were in his draft class. Mm-hmm. And he's made an insane amount of money. And he's, I mean, he's a really good and durable pitcher. But all that goes away the second that he's not. And and it's just because pitching is really really hard. I, I the only thing I would be willing to maybe 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 put something on is the the when he really drops his arm down like i mean that's probably been exaggerated i haven't seen him go super exaggerated you know like kind of sidearm or like really low arm slot maybe that because it is much more unnatural than mm-hmm. just doing a bit of a different balance thing because they are so balanced now it's not as much of like a momentum when they're swinging their arms and throwing their hips and their feet around like it used to be to kind of gear themselves up to heave the ball at the plate Balances everything. That's the way they train, the way they are able to stop in the middle of their rotation and stuff. It's or um, wind up and stuff. I, I don't buy the the, the hezies and, and and shimmies and stuff. That's not the thing. Maybe the the lower arm angle, but most of the time, mostly it's just. I think it's just a coincidence. Spring training. I think that's fair. Though I am unless of course though I am right not. now pulling up a video of him, uh, which of course I'll show to you all as soon as it loads. Uh, because there that was kind of a thing a couple weeks ago, right? Like, oh, he's added, he's going sidearm. He's, he's what a bag of tricks he's got, and then immediately uh, this happens. <laughs> but actually, it, uh, it, it not- didn't though, because he said he was kind of dealing with it. I think uh, throughout the winter, and thought it was just regular, uh, you know, just regular soreness. Uh, that the team obviously well, has made good. the smart choice of of, of uh, being like, no, let's let's get let's make this uh, let's make sure this is nipped in the bud as soon as possible. Well, that's horrifying. Well, I didn't know that. Um, sure he's not the only one, of course. Uh, Randall Gritchick injured his uh, wrist. Uh, so serious is his injury that his manager, John Gibbons, did not know which, which arm he had, in fact, hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's just Gibby being Gibby, really, right? Like, I mean, it, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not serious. But. Gibby, crazy like a fox, I think, is what that is. John Gibbons just, like, messing with the whole world. <laughs> 
It's like he's a, it's a, it's a long con, I think, from Gibby. He's like at the Southern lawyer, like I'm, you know, he has his accent. I'm just a simple boy from Texas. I don't know from these injuries. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's like, oh, uh, they, they tore that tendon she threatened to, and it's going to require all this extra stuff. Yeah, um, seems about right. But again, the, I'm I'm of the mindset because I am desperate um, that all injuries are are spring right offable. You know, you just write them off, and if it was September, he'd be playing. Um, all injuries are that until proven otherwise mm-hmm. in spring training, unless it's something that's serious and there's no uh, no disputing. Like, well, I mean, even like the, the Felix Hernandez, right? The Mariners ace oh, got hit in the <laughs> yeah. elbow with a line drive, yeah. and it was like, oh my god, Felix broke his arm. He's never going to pitch again. Or and then the Mariners like, ah, he's only going to miss one spring start. Like that to me, it it's visually looks a lot worse than the guy just kind of wandering off being like oh my shoulder's bothering me so uh i'm willing to believe that they're lying but i think it's the blue jays that are telling the truth it's that's it's uh how it goes it's not a lie if they know the truth that's that's there the we thing go to remember right that's the one words of wisdom a, a, a very smart man uh, said that once a very smart and successful baseball person right isn't that who is that is that how you would describe him uh well i mean agm of the mets or whatever he is there's a there's a fucking fine, finely tuned machine, well oiled machine there. That uh, <laughs> that operation. They do. They are running like a already. Everybody's hurt. They're all <laughs> except for except for uh, Syndergaard. Noah Syndergaard, former Blue Jay Noah Syndergaard, doing interviews with his shirt off, mm-hmm. talking about throwing 100 miles an hour in uh, in spring training on his first start. All the Mets beat writers freaking out, like, oh, my God, are you worried? Like, is it a big deal to be throwing so hard in, in your first start of spring? Which, to me, was a little bit stupid. Can I say that? You certainly I say can, that? yeah. Here's a, this is the thing that we know this, and it, it's true of Stroman as well, and any, any pitcher in particular, or any player. It's 2018. These guys, some of them, depending on if they make the playoffs or not, they start working out again on, like, November 1st. <laughs> Pretty much. December 1st at the latest. The, the the whole mode mode has changed. They don't show up to uh, spring training and switch from beer to whiskey or anything like that uh, and then play themselves into shape. These guys, they bulk up. They get huge. They have, you know, they have significant goals for the offseason so because they know they're not going to be able to maintain that kind of muscle mass over the season because it's so long and such a grind. So that's what a lot of them do. They get massive or they get big or they, and they work out and they start to pitch and they're doing, you know, depending on who they are, what they've been through in the previous year, they're pitching for weeks before they show up. And, and half of them, they come down early. Remember a couple of years ago when Bautista had them all down working out mm-hmm. um, in January. So it's not like Marcus Stroman just wandered out of bed and started throwing sidearm because he was bored out of his mind <laughs> you know if you follow him on social yeah. media in particular you see him in the gym every single day it's like six o'clock in the morning on a tuesday and there he is in the gym he's in the he's in the gym at the jays thing he's in the gym all right in dunedin he's in the gym at toronto when he's in town doing whatever during the winter they work their asses off so yeah noah Syndergaard could throw 100 miles an hour in his first start of spring because it's not the first time he picked up baseball in three months it's the first time he's thrown on his program that has been scripted all the way starting from the end of the season, ahead, looking ahead to spring training. There's a lot on the line. Noah Syndergaard's looking at like a $200 million payday in like a couple of years. He's got to put that work in now to get to that when the time comes. Come on. Get your head out of your ass is kind of what I'm saying. I see what you're saying, yeah. All so right. get, to that big pay, get to that big payday and then have teams 
line up and offer him one year deals. Crazy, <laughs> crazy. So I did, it's not in here, but Justin Upton, who uh, has been well paid more than once, Justin Upton, who signed up. What was he? Did he get five years, eighty million dollars when he was a free agent after the? Um, I think he was a free agent after twenty fifteen. Yeah, after twenty fifteen, he was a free agent, signed with the Tigers, and then they traded him to the Angels this past off season, and he had a couple of years left, but he uh, he opted out, and then or signed. No, he didn't opt out. He just signed an extension, so he didn't. Yeah, become he could a free he agent. could have opted out, but didn't. He could have opted out, but stayed a free agent. But he had some really like um, like inflammatory things to say. He said he had ten different teams call him up and offer him a one year deal when he was a free agent. He's like, I got eight years of like decent baseball behind me. I you know was coming off a good year. This is, Justin Upton is a really good player. He got five years, and people were like, eh, we'll give you one. Like, what the hell is that? So uh, he's talking about what was what was one of the lines he just talked about? How you're just a piece of paper. He said it's got you know the the courting process is going away. Thing he said, Upton says it's gone. This is a quote from uh, Pedro Mora's story, and that's on the Athletic, uh, right? He covers the Angels and the Dodgers. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, so he says, teams don't value players as people anymore. They value them as a number on a sheet of paper. Basically, they have a stat sheet that says, this is that guy. He's a robot. He's not a person. He's just a player. They don't value him as a person. You can have two offers from two teams, and somehow the separator is how the team is perceived in your eyes. At this point, they don't care how they're perceived. This is our money. If you want it, you can have it. Really interesting. And then, um, actually, not long out, in, in another tweet, Jared Diamond, who writes for the Wall Street Journal, um, he he shared a story about how the Cubs are the are the exception to that rule. The Cubs go like way out of their way to win you over, mm-hmm. and how they were trying to get. They were talking about Tyler Chatwood, whose wife was pregnant at the time. They're like, "Oh, you got to see this OB. You got to go to this clinic." He, like really getting personal with him, and uh, and somebody else said off the record, like, um, or an agent said, if the Cub, if the Yankees offer one thirty and the Cubs offer one thirty and the and the Dodgers and the sorry Yankees and Red Sox over one thirty and the Cubs offer one twenty five, most guys would pick the Cubs. Which is interesting. If that's their differentiator, it, 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 obviously the Cubs have more money than God as well. But for them to be able to to kind of sell that personal angle, that's the maybe that's the next step of the uh, the modern sports business that we've talked about the Blue Jays becoming many yeah, times. Have uh, we not? We have, and that would that would seem to be to be a, a good next step, frankly, because yeah, the stuff Upton's talking about is, is kind of ridiculous. Though I assume you know the ten teams that he was talking about, seven to ten or whatever it was that came at him with one year, one year offers. That uh, those are probably all the Shapiro <laughs> branches off the Mark Shapiro tree, right? They all, all are. Those, every, all, almost every single one. <laughs> those disciplined motherfuckers. Um, yeah, I saw. I I was looking at some of the tweets and the responses to that. I saw somebody being like, well, "I wonder how much like, just the the Tigers not having Dombrowski and and being in a different place has changed it because they seem to always be the outlier, just willing to be like, "Yep, whatever, we'll throw a ton of money at this guy that nobody else seems to be willing to do." <laughs> it's true. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like the Red Sox probably have enough have bumpers in place to prevent. Uh, wheeling and dealing gunslinger Dombrowski from taking that thing off the rails because they were for many years the model franchise and I don't think that that's changed today yeah. just the fact that Dombrowski's I mean, just like we gotta win <laughs> I mean uh, yeah you're probably right but it, you, you do see them their their farm system rankings in like the mid-20s now and uh, obviously graduations and using those prospects to get fucking Chris Sale and shit like that. Like it's not like mm-hmm. it's not like he's destroyed anything. They've had some really good players come to the big leagues, but uh, you know, I don't know. I would love to see it, <laughs> it turn into just a bloated mess like Detroit. 
Yeah, the Red Sox are scary. Yeah, oh boy, they really do scare me. They, I mean, I've said this a bunch of times. We've probably already talked about this on this show about how everyone's handed the division of the Yankees. It's like the Red Sox won ninety three games last year, and they had a terrible, disgraceful offense that has now added JD Martinez. Yeah, that's a pretty good team. Yeah, they're all right. Right? Yeah. David Price is not going to be. Uh, David Price was a. He wasn't even that bad last no, year. He, he was, was just sorry. hurt, yeah. and then obviously lots of controversy. I mean, maybe maybe what he gave you isn't what you're going to want to pay thirty million dollars for, but. Uh, uh, I mean, I think it's the guy. It's the good. guys not named. Team. It's the guys not named Price and Sale in that rotation that I think are are the ones that they should be a little more afraid of. But uh, Porcello's fine. Yeah, he's trash. But yeah, the he fact that he fine. he stole a Cy Young doesn't you know that he didn't necessarily <laughs> you know he had a great year when he won it. That's not he necessarily did, yeah. an accurate reflection of who he would be going forward. But the Red Sox are fine. Their bullpen is insane. Craig Kimbrell, who's a free agent at the end after the end of next year, he's very good. Uh, He's probably the second best reliever of all time, ever to ever throw a ball as a wow. He's so insane. you put him behind just just behind Trevor Hoffman, <laughs> just ahead, no, just behind Billy Wagner actually. Okay. Billy Wagner, the great underappreciated <laughs> Bruce Souter. Um, yeah, I mean it's funny. I I said something on Twitter about like Craig Kimbrell's going to get a hundred million dollars in free agency, but which. He would have before, or maybe he wouldn't have before. This he missed that one minute window where Kenley Jansen. Well, but then Kenley Jansen and and Arola Chapman got their money. Kimbrel will get his, and and then hopefully uh, Roberto Osuna gets his as well. Yeah, I would. You know how how wonderful would that be? You wouldn't want to see him leave the Blue Jays, obviously, but I would love to see Roberto Osuna stay healthy enough until the end of his uh, pre-arb and arbitration years to. Uh, Go out and get an enormous contract. If that's the thing that happens, that means he's given the Jays a hell of a lot of value over the years. Agreed. And I mean, so we've talked about about the idea of trading Roberto Osuna many times before. But maybe is are you how would how comfortable are you going to? Uh, this is totally off off the out of nowhere. So I'm putting you in the spot a little bit. How comfortable would you be going to him and giving him like a pre-arb deal, like buying up a couple of years of free agency? And giving him some financial security. Is that something that you, Andrew Stoughton, playing the role of front office GM guy, would you ever consider that? Yeah, I'd be a little wary of it. I mean, I mean, I think people think the delivery is a bit violent and they're concerned about some of the arm health. And I've heard that may, may have something to do with why they did not pursue him becoming a starter or going back to the rotation mm-hmm. a little harder. So... Uh, you know, obviously, he's been really durable as a reliever so far. Uh, the velocity's held. There hasn't been health problems with the arm. Um, would I would I go beyond where he currently is just to avoid some sort of mega, mega contract? No, I don't know if I would. Thinking in that, you know, shitty, disciplined, uh, armchair GM sort of way. The, you know, if, the, if I didn't have to think about Rodgers and what they would... Uh, you know, what they might do to my budget if I had sort of unlimited resources. I mean, sure, I'd love to give Roberto Osuna a ton of money and, and have him around forever. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd be a little wary of that. And also, I mean, it wouldn't make him untradeable, I don't think. Uh, uh, you know, it wouldn't necessarily help his trade value. But not that that's something that the Blue Jays should be looking to do anyway. But it's certainly sort of in their back pocket if they if they have a year that nobody wants them to have in, in 2018 here. Um, 
you know, everybody talks about, oh, trading Josh Donaldson or what are you going to do with the, the rental guys? But I mean, Osuna, if the Jays are, if the Jays are going to have sort of a dip in 2019 and Osuna's only around for one year after that, he's really a luxury for them for, you know, until the last year of his current deal or his, you know, his current situation. He's not a super two, is he? No, he isn't, but he's in arbitration now. This is, his, this is his first pass. So he has two years after this, he's got 19 and 20. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the middle of this season, you could, if you don't think you really need a closer for 2019 and that you maybe will for 2020, like if you really look like it's going to be a step back, which I don't think the Jays are positioning themselves for, but they they still sort of have the pieces to shed to do that if that's where it goes. Uh, and he's a guy who, you know, that that is, that is, you could get a ton for him, I think even at midseason. Uh, you know, I would be more wary of dealing Stroman and Sanchez, and those are guys, you know, starters. I think you'd mm. like to see maybe stick around longer, but 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 you know, I I can't shake the fact that Osuna might just be might just burn bright really really early, and then who knows? I'm I'm not real comfortable. I hate saying it, but I'm not super comfortable with what he might be, uh, what he might look like at age 28, which is like fucking five well, years from now. Well, that, I think that's exactly it. That's his age is the reason that I would be more, if I'm uh, the team I'm would be willing or at least uh, entertaining the idea of seeing about locking him down or buying out a couple of his of his arbitration years or his free agent years because even then if you make that kind of a deal or offer to him he still knows that he can if he's healthy then hit free agency as a young man true and and I mentioned earlier Kimbrel. So I remember I wrote um, for the old Getting Blank blog, I did like a fake arbitration hearing because I remember because Craig Kimbrell and the Braves were kind of far apart on his um, his first pass through arbitration. And uh, I wrote some like hypothetical arb hearing and actually Kimbrell followed me on Twitter for, for, for like a day and then he unfollowed me because he learned that, that would be a bad idea. But because uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Kimbrell signed, he signed a four-year, $42 million contract contract with the Braves um, in, in ahead of his first year of arbitration eligibility. So he made the minimum. Then he signed four years, $42 million with an option year, which is 2018, which was a $13 million option with a $1 million buyout. So he is going to end up with a, around uh, with a deal that will be five years and $58 million that he signed five, four years ago um, or five years ago. To me, I would do that. I would. I would offer that to 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 Osuna. Now, the saying that he needs to perform at the same level as Craig Kimbrell is obviously a tough ask. But Kimbrell's, you know, um, thing is pretty violent. He's like a max effort guy who throws insanely hard and throws a couple pitches. But he's uh, held up well, and he's in fact been traded twice in the in the life, in the span of that contract. Again, he's Craig Kimbrell. I mentioned him already. He's one of the two or three best relievers of all time. Osuna's not that. He's very, very good, and he's very young. Um, if you're not worried about his health, and he's talked about there was, you know, he's in the best shape of his life and worked on his upper body and working on his balance and whatever else. But um, I would do it. I would I would consider it. I would offer it to him. I'm sure that his team would have to consider it too. That's guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. I mean, his arbor rewards are going to be nice as, as he's racked up a ton of saves already. So he's going to get rewarded well through arbitration. Maybe if I'm the Jays, I consider it. Keep him, keep him around. 
make it, you know, that you could, again, I don't think that it would ever be a, an impediment to a trade if that's what you wanted to do. I mean, you wouldn't get the same kind of value, but uh, you have a good player who's very young and uh, a homegrown guy. He's been in the organization since he was, what, 16 years old? Yeah, I mean. To me, I'd consider it. Okay, I mean, I get it. I mean, I would like to see the medicals, that's all. And then I would like someone to tell me what they mean, because I obviously would never <laughs> Spare me your medical mumbo-jumbo. <laughs> speaking of medical mumbo-jumbo, speaking of relievers, the Blue Jays signed a reliever based on his medicals. Song Juan Song Juan O. Signed with the Blue Jays after not signing a deal with the Texas Rangers, which is uh, good. Any time that you can screw them over, I'm all for. Well, I mean, Song Juan Oh, they, not they, screw them they over, chose but. not to do it, but yeah, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think it, it just adds to what a, a great deal it could be. I mean, it could fall apart, it could be nothing, but it's only a couple million bucks anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, which relative to a baseball budget is nothing to uh, to normal people. That's obviously not, mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing to sort of turn our noses up at. But uh, but yeah, it would just be so great to have him figure it out and just make the Rangers look like they've been owned by the Blue Jays again, which is uh, uh, you know a recurring theme. And it seems like there's a chance that he could figure it out. I mean, people are kind of optimistic about you know the the velocity held the. The stuff apparently is still there. He there was a great piece at Fangraphs. Uh, Stephen Loftus uh, wrote a piece about the adjustment to revive the final boss. I mean, what a fucking nickname too, which is amazing. Definitely, uh, it would, and which he lived up to in his first year with the Cardinals. Like he was kind of bad last year, but but uh, but he was just untouchable. And uh, Loftus's piece looks at you know the fact that uh, he 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 was just having trouble keeping the ball down i think basically like he was catching too mm-hmm. much of the plate um uh wasn't really staying on top of his pitches and that maybe this is something that that uh it, it's an adjustment that should be achievable or maybe not you know not necessarily achievable but it's like it's something that's kind of easily identifiable something that he could try to work on and try to get better at uh i'm sure that the cardinals did as well i mean you, you know obviously they're mm-hmm. they're they're invested in trying to make, make that work too but uh but yeah, I mean, I mean, even if he doesn't go back to 2016 levels uh, with the stuff and the way that it worked and, and the, the fact that the, it's, it's all still there, uh, he doesn't have to be that much better than he was in 2017 to still be a really valuable pitcher. And just a, a nice piece of uh, depth, right? Uh, he's, not, he's probably not going to be the closer, but he's somebody who's there and it kind of pushes everybody down. There's less, you know, less... Work presumably for like a Ryan Tapera who I who pitched so well last year, and a lot of the stuff we've been reading about him was about learning to manage the workload because you know Gibby really rode him hard last year because he was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Leon out now, they've almost kind of replaced him. They still have John Axford, a bunch of other guys in camp. So you know it's it's a it's a it's a not bull, it's not bullpen by committee, but it you know you you need a full robust staff of guys who can get people out and they've got that uh, you know some of the other the other lefty kind of kind of jobs there's a little bit of um um there's not that same depth in there for that job that's somewhat maybe less valuable um between um what's his name the guy that the smart the smart guy they brought <laughs> yeah, in craig, craig, Breslow, uh, craig breslow craig breslow and they've got tim Meza and dermody and all these guys so, so I mean, there's, Ma- there's Meza. Meza's kind of you know Meza if he could put it together 
is a little bit exciting. I mean, you can't really just look at his peripherals in the big leagues last year because he kind of had some some disastrous outings, and uh, I think the mm-hmm. home runs were high. But I mean, if you look at just like like walks and strikeouts, the ratio was incredible for him. Uh, I think maybe that partly was because sometimes he didn't know where the ball was going, uh, and neither did anybody else. Uh, yeah, but he's a guy who. With some refinement and with uh, with maybe a better a better run now that he's got his feet wet, I think could be. Uh, I don't even think he's going to start the year in the big leagues probably because he's you know that that's how they're going to use the twenty five man roster. Like Buffalo is just basically sort of going to be a taxi squad, especially on the pitching side. Uh, but he's a guy who I think will definitely get a shot in twenty eighteen at some point as the lefty out of the bullpen and could probably, uh, if things break right, take that job. Uh, and go right to the top of that depth chart and, and probably deservedly so. So that, that's an interesting thing, but you're right. They have, they have a lot of guys that are sort of like that in Barnes and Tapera. Carlos Ramirez had a really good year last year. They've got, well, of course they've got Albuquerque and Axford and, and, uh, you know, on the non as non roster invitees. There's another guy, I think as, as well. I can't remember who it is at this moment, but, uh, but yeah, they have a really interesting collection of guys who, We'll split time between Buffalo, who be up and down, or who so you know the that where guys end up is probably going to end up uh, being determined by just how they can keep them in the organization. So that might not be good news for Ramirez, who can be options still. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Guerrero is Guerrero is he out of options or is he? Uh, I'm not I'm not sure what his story is. I don't think he's, Guerrero, he's, but, he uh, could be option because I think the plan is is likely that he's going to be in Buffalo. I don't know if he's going to start or relieve, but he also is an option for the bullpen. Biagini is an option for the bullpen, really. Uh, which probably isn't going to happen right away because I think they're going to need uh, they're going to use him as the the sort of lead starter in AAA and the first guy who's going to get the call. Which is, you know, as as ugly as some of his starts were last year, uh, it seems like he's better equipped. In terms of, you know, it looks like he he says mm-hmm. he put on some muscle. It looks like he he looks in better shape. He's come in a second year in a row now, expecting to be a starter. Uh, I think that. Uh, you know, he he had he, he didn't use it as well as he could have. He didn't look like the guy and he, he was in twenty sixteen, but he's got you know the four pitch mix. He got he's got the arsenal that he should be able to be the, the a starter. Uh but also there's guys pushing him in Buffalo as well with you know Guerrero, Panone, Barucki, maybe Deck McGuire, maybe Chris Rowley. Uh and, and those guys can can potentially give the Jays enough depth in the starting rotation at Buffalo. Uh, the Biagini becomes a uh, a relief option as well, and that you know, it, it, there's just a lot of ways that the bullpen could work, and a lot of guys who, though they aren't you know big name guys, and they're especially you know they don't get national attention in the states at all. You know, they're just they're just the Blue Jays relievers, but uh, it's a pretty interesting and good collection, I think, that they've got, and it should be uh, it should be probably a strength of the team, really. Absolutely, it, it they've done the same thing in. The- They've done the same thing in the bullpen that they did on the middle infield and stuff, where they've just added depth. They've got a lot of they've got a lot of depth. They've got a lot of options, and O is a kind of thing that just sort of fell in their lap. And uh, if he's good, and if he's a good member of a good team and a good bullpen, that's great. If things kind of go sideways, he's one of those where if he's pitching well, he could get the Joe Smith, right? Okay, you yeah. trade him and you pick something else up of value. Say even like an Axford, right? Like it's obviously John Axford probably could have. Signed minor league deals in a variety of places. He has his own kind of the hometown lure. You know, while we fans, you know, uh, clamor for that, uh, it means something to him too. So you hope that he, you know, if he if he makes the team, he pitches pitches his way on. That you know, there's find that balance between you want to stay as a Blue Jay, you want to live, or you know, kind of finish out this year, or. Do you want to go to a winner? Do you want to, if you're pitching well, you want to have the chance to make get another contract, whatever it might be. 
But uh, but yeah, now uh, the next thing I guess we'll talk about real quick is that that infield, that middle infield depth, and seems like John Gibbons has himself. Uh, he he's made a uh, he has a fan or he is a fan of uh, of Gift Gift uh, Ngope. He he's a turning heads. Is that fair to say? It's as much as one probably can in the early part of camp. Yeah, I mean, Gibbons mm-hmm. was a big fan of Richard Urania last year as well. That, that was kind of the thing we heard and. And mm. I, that maybe that got Urena more time uh, in his call up to show that he's probably not quite ready. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if, if Ngope can look like uh, like a regular, like a real big leaguer, uh, that's that's a pretty huge thing. I mean, I think that uh, I, I don't know that the defensive metrics have looked great on him, but I remember Ross Atkins saying that uh, they were really high on his defense, and uh, and if he can show a little more pop with the bat, uh, which he has so far in spring, which obviously doesn't mean a damn thing. Uh, there is nothing but good that can come from that. I mean, and especially on a team where Troy Tulowitzki is still such a question mark. Uh, yeah, anytime, anytime you have someone who can passively play shortstop and not get the bat knocked out of his hands, uh, it's a, it's like free money. It's, it's um, don't. There's just the, there just aren't enough. There oh. aren't enough shortstops, right? I, I thought, hmm? I, th- I thought you were making a gift pun there. Oh, I could have. Yeah, I yeah. could have. I I, <laughs> di- I didn't get all the way there. <laughs> right. Well, I, I made a joke. There's a, the there's a really good uh, song by a very heavy band called Old Man Gloom. They have a song called Gift, and every time I want it to be his walk up music. Number one. Now mm-hmm. I just realized that now, and also that anytime he does anything of value on the field, I will of course tweet out a link to an Old Man Gloom song, so that uh, you know the old weird dudes that are like the same version, different versions of the same guy like me who are just like, oh, yeah, that's funny. And then we'll all have a good laugh yeah. about uh, Old Man Gloom. Nate Newton from from Converge plays in uh, plays in Old Man Gloom. Uh, oh, and one thing we should mention, um, uh, I was going to do a nice segue, which is uh, turning heads, Anthony Alford has looked great so far in spring, swinging the bat very well. Um, making making us all believers. Not that we weren't skeptical of Anthony Alford's ability, um, but Alford looks great so far. Not not much to say about that, other than that would be nice if he forces the Blue Jays' hand. Um, there is one fewer member of the Blue Jays' outfield uh, which was is, is experiencing death, and that's uh, Ezekiel Carrera, who was uh, designated for assignment after the uh, Song Juan O signing. And now he's been uh, outrighted to the minor league club, which is a little bit surprising. Um, it's too bad. Because, I mean, no, it's not too bad. You, you, you feel for him because he's ably done a job as a big leaguer for basically three full years, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he's done everything they could have asked for of him, really. I mean, he's been okay. He, he played better, I think, as well. He improved, at the very least. He improved. He did what he could. He's not a superstar, and he never would be. He's not even necessarily an average player. But uh, he was central to, you know, he had a role on good teams, and then he also had a larger role on a not-so-good team. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The problem, I think, for, for Big Zeke is that the market is still so flooded. that And then as far as the Jays go, um, it'll be difficult for them to trade. Like, why would you trade assets for Ezekiel Carrera when you can wander out to that backfield in, uh, at the IMG Academy and, like, pick an outfielder out of the free agent camp? For nothing. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, this is... 
this is just where the game has gone, and and it, it's been here for a lot a lot of years now, I guess already. But you know, you look at the the BABIP that Zeke had against right-handed pitching, and it's a split that he's never done particularly well in, and did really well in in, in 2017. And and you start looking at some of the underlying numbers, and it doesn't feel like it's repeatable. I mean, I wrote this week about Granderson and about uh, about Zeke, and basically. Zeke was his best ever self, I think, in 2017, which is why it feels weird that to be walking away, and it seems like a shame, and is maybe confusing to some, uh, perhaps even to Zeke himself. I don't know, but it, uh, you know, the best ever Zeke is still pretty even with Granderson having a an average season that you would totally expect him to repeat. Whereas Carrera, you don't, you know, I, I don't see him having a, a a four or a 393 BABIP against right-handers this year, uh, and when that comes back down to normal. Uh, you know, he is what he is. It's not if, if the glove was a little better, it would it would it would look okay. But it it isn't. It was tough to watch sometimes, and I don't know that Granderson is going to be uh, is going to be all that much better. Uh, I feel okay about <laughs> about that defensively, but uh, I don't know if he's mm-hmm. he's not going to be he's not going to look like Grichuk and Pilar out there. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Carrera just really didn't have his place on this team. He's like their third best center fielder in there. And their second best platoon uh, left fielder. So, you know, Godspeed. Oh, man. <clears throat> that, I don't know if you saw this at all today. That free agent game that was going on where uh, the bunch of guys got together and they played an exhibition game against a Japanese, like, kind of second tier team. It was super depressing. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I missed it. Oh, it was great. They was streamed, they streamed it live on YouTube, and the I don't know who the play-by-play announcer was. He was doing his best. I don't think there was a lot of information that he was presented, such that in his haste to read off the uh, the lineup, he announced that the center fielder was Jared Saltalovacchio. <laughs> uh, okay. Which, it, which was not true. Salty was behind the plate. Uh, Sal- there were Salty's ex- out there trying to get work. There were ex-Blue Jays fucking everywhere. Saltalovacchio wow. was, was behind the plate. Uh Chris Colabello was one of the many DHs. There were two. Uh, Juan Francisco was a DH. Neil Walker was also a DH. And Chris Colabello was playing first. Travis Snyder was playing left field Jesus, out there. Jesus. Uh, like there's a, there was a real. Chris Johnson, former Brave, former Diamondback. Um, the Braves inexplicably gave him like a three year contract a few years ago. That was very odd. But um, uh, it was a real like Village of the Damned. Uh, I had, oh, Omar Infante was playing shortstop. It was really something. I had to stop watching it because it was too grim. So is it? Because it was just. Hmm? Sorry, I was just going to say. Is it so the the free agent guys who actually want to get jobs like they uh, they obviously wanted nothing to do with this game. Like there there are better yeah, I guess so. there are better free agents out there than those <laughs> those ghouls you just announced there. Other than Neil Walker, well, yeah, Walker. I can't believe Neil Walker is really good. No, okay, he's not really good. Neil Walker is fine. He is a fine player. He is a. Very much above average hitter for his entire career. He's like a two or two and a half win player every single year that he's ever been in the big leagues. He's never had a year that's truly been that's been bad. He was good last year. He was fine last year. He had like a one fifteen weighted runs created plus. He's a fine player. Maybe, the fact that he can't find a job is is baffling. Maybe the Jays. Baffling maybe the me. Jays should look into him. I don't see why not. Honestly, I don't the, know. Put there's, there's like Diaz can if, be option. Gope could be optioned. You could start the year with Walker and Solarte, and if if you need a, a shortstop, 
God knows why you might need a shortstop at some point during the middle of the season. Uh, you know, <laughs> you could put Solarte there uh, for a couple games before you get one of the other two up. My, I, Neil Walker is good. Is good. Is a good enough player to the point where he's better off holding out for a full time job than taking taking like a bench job with the Blue Jays. Probably true, right? You could if you're him, maybe you take a bench job with like the Dodgers or the Cubs if that's if you're really like ring hunting. But if you, I mean, he's 32. So he's going to probably be going on a – given the state of the game now, he'll be going year to year for however long his career lasts. But he's – again, he had like 114 weighted runs created plus last year, 122 the year before that, 106, 130, 115, career 115. Like he's a good player. He had 14 home runs last year in 111 games. He plays second base. He hits uh, – he hits. he's a switch hitter. Like there's no reason for that guy to be for that guy to be unemployed. There's no way that a good team or even a team that's mediocre and trying to get good or trying to upgrade couldn't use that guy. It's crazy to me. Yeah, it's I, crazy. I agree. And uh, the, the, between Walker and then Lomo, uh, Logan Morrison signed like a one-year, six and a half million dollar deal. Uh, and there was oh, and uh, Lucas Duda signed three and a half million dollars. Uh, something that I'm hearing a lot, and I'm sure you're hearing the same, is like, why aren't the Jays out there signing these guys? And the fact of the matter is, they don't have a roster spot for them. No, that's exactly right. And it's like, well, why don't you dump Kendrys and, and sign somebody as a DH? It's like, well, because then the, the Lomo contract becomes, you know, now you're paying $17 million for a DH. Because yeah. you're not getting anyone to take Morales, as much as I believe he's going to have a big year. Uh Nobody's taking him right now. So the idea of just dumping somebody to take one of these guys just doesn't work. Like that's I think when it's all said and done or when this kind of this era of Blue Jays baseball is sort of uh, over um or as the Jays maybe move in if if they're not there now when they move to the next set of content uh, con, uh, era of contention, a true contention if being like a real Well, I mean they're on the outside <laughs> looking in. Yeah, a I think well since, since the Rays started to get real bad on purpose, I think you could make a case that the Jays are the Jays are among the four or five teams that are vying for two uh, wild card spots. Yeah, the division, the two divisions are all but sewn up. The AL East and the other wild card are pretty much sewn up. It's going, one will be the Yankees, one will be the Red Sox. You can flip them. I I think you can flip them. I don't see that there's too much between those two teams. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the the Jays and the Twins and the Angels and and that's basically it, you know. The Mariners are maybe a step below, and the Orioles are a step below, and the and the, Ra- and the Rangers, Rangers are a step yeah. below. Yeah. Nobody else in the Central. Central's a joke, uh, but like the Jays and the Angels and the Twins are all right there. Yep. When they when they are it, when they get past that, or once the Donaldson and Tulowitzki and Russell Martin and all this sort of stuff is is gone past, the Kendrys Morales contract will look really really bad. <laughs> it, well, I mean, it's over after next season, and perhaps before that. But, uh, and I mean, I I don't. Even if Kendrick Morales performs as well as Kendrick Morales could, um, I can see it from like a he offers something that the re- that the rest of the team didn't have, right? He has he's a switch hitter. He can hit lefty. He's a guy who can can hit both ways. Do whatever. He's a good veteran presence. They like to have him around. Sure, and the money is not necessarily um, a huge problem. But there are only so many roster spots to go to go around, and when they had Smoke and they had Pierce, uh, and then they and or they end up with Smoke and end up with Pierce and and Morales, 
it's just created a logjam at a position that with guys that don't have a lot of flexibility. You can't hide them anywhere else, Morales in particular. You can't play Smoke anywhere other than first. You don't want to play him at DH because that's kind of a waste of everybody's time. Uh, and and so that these guys, like that, that Logan Morrison contract is ridiculous. Lomo yeah. himself has been in, was insane last year. I mean, he fell off as this year went, on, went along, but... He's still a pretty good hitter, and he's always been that. Yeah, he's, he's, as, like, he's, he's usually been trash, frankly. I okay, would, but so I would say, but, you, but, what, but what I like about the deal for the Twins is that he, he's one of these guys who really made a noticeable change in the launch angle last year and really embraced that, uh, and the results came. So, you mm. know, that, that probably bodes well for him going forward. Yeah, unfortunately for um, the Jays. But, yeah, I mean... You, they're super marginal upgrades, and maybe, and, and I think the Blue Jays front office is probably also probably thinking like those are small, very small marginal upgrades. If the ability to, if they had a spot, say say Kendrys Morales retires tomorrow, he uh, he's decided he's going to move to Cuba. There's something that's that's compelled him to go back there. His career is over. Uh, if it's an Adam Lind or you know Duda or whoever else, those guys are nice, and you're getting them at a nice price, but they're not going to make the difference between the Blue Jays being. The Blue Jays aren't going to get to the Red Sox and Yankees level based on one of those signings. Like they still have a lot of a lot of work to do, and no matter how high you raise the floor, those are really really like minimal upgrades. That even at a nominal price, you're still not making the team significantly better. Although obviously all of our fan experience would be better if the Blue Jays signed Adam Lind versus <laughs> Kendrys Morales, but yes. but, uh, but, but, but that's different. The thing is, Kendrys big year coming. That's the thing. You you made this point in, in the story that you wrote about how about Statcast darlings and how you know we heard all the same things that we that were have been said this winter about Kendrick Morales were said the winter before yes like oh his, his uh, um, exit velocities are great and his expected weighted runs or weighted on base percentage is really great which is all true and he hits the ball hard no one's ever going to doubt that he hit some big home runs last year like the good ball goes a long way mm-hmm. but. You said talked about guys who maybe turn doubles into singles. I did, and, and I, guys who who are able to capitalize on mistakes, but maybe they're not. You know, they're just not. The contact isn't quite there where it needs to be, given his age and the state of the game and the sort of tectonic shift that has that has taken place in baseball. Um, where maybe that that's it's almost like an animal, the old Ricky Nolasco thing where this guy's had a great fit and he looks everything looks like it should be better but he never puts it together because it's just there's that little gap between theory and reality and maybe Kendrys with his kind of bad body and lack of athleticism and age those are the things that are going to keep him from actually actualizing well, that. The, that. That is, the, I did write a bit about that, but I, I've also, I think I since then expanded a little bit on it. And yeah, I think you're, those are wonderful. Those are wonderful thoughts, good theories. Uh, but what is confusing me about Kendrys is that he was so good from the right side against left-handed pitching. And he, you know, his expected weighted on base, he he underperformed his, exp, his uh, or sorry, he overperformed his ex, expected weighted on base. Uh, as a right-handed hitter against left-handed pitching, so his his results were better. So, uh, so if the theory is that he is underperforming because he's turning doubles into singles and triples into doubles, uh, that didn't hold from in that split. So that, that's that's why it mm. made me think that that it's possible that if you look at the other split, the, the other split his weighted on base against right-handed pitching as a left-handed hitter in 2017 was 296. 
Uh, a, a terrible, pathetic weighted on base, but the expected weighted on base was 355, which is very respectable, which is, I think I, read, I wrote for The Athletic yesterday or this morning, whichever day you want to, whatever day you think it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, you know, in the realm with uh, George Springer, Anthony Rendon, Matt Adams, Eric Thames, uh, in that split. Um, you know, I mean, expected weighted on base is, there. it is theory. It is theory. You're absolutely not wrong. And, and we're also, that. now we're slicing real thin. We are. Right? We're talking about, about these, about splits and, 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 uh, you know, so small sample splits and, uh, you start to, his case is, it's, it's a flimsy case. And I'm not saying that you aren't making, you aren't making a compelling, uh, a compelling case, but it is a little flimsy in terms of. Um, what's repeatable, what's real. Because as we look at it, and, and now that we've got another year where we're making, making very similar arguments on his behalf, mm-hmm. suddenly now there's a, growing, there's a growing body of work that suggests that he is an underperformer for this split. And this number isn't capturing what he is or is not doing on the field. This is, my this is correct. Though, I would, also, <laughs> I would also point, as we did prior to last year, to the fact that for the final four months of uh, of 2016, he had about a 135 weighted runs created plus. That's overall. Uh, it's not looking at the splits, but you know he had a terrible two months that really sunk his overall numbers, but hit really well for four months. Um, and the way that he, the quality of contact that he makes suggests he should produce better results than we saw in 2017. Not from the right side because the quality of contact he, he produced as good or better results than that than than the 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 exit velocity and the launch angle suggested from that side, which is what also gives, you know, if he could be, if he could be an elite hitter from one side, uh, mm-hmm. I know it's not the same thing, but uh, I know there are, you know, if you look at switch hitters, most of them are, they're not the exact same hitter from one side or the other, obviously. Uh, but it, it just, the things that allow him to be an elite hitter from the right side of the plate, the things like the pitch recognition, the things like bat speed, I don't could they be could they have cratered so badly on the other side they could but i do you know looking at some of these other numbers looking at the exit velocity looking at the expected weighted on base the launch angle all the all this stuff makes me think that maybe maybe there there's more there than people want to believe i certainly have bet dave burrows on it (laughs) though that's like taking candy from a, (laughs) a menacing baby yeah but um uh, now you've now I'm going to make another great uh, transition here. You talked about switch hitters. Um, I learned from a from a uh, an online baseball analyst recently that was he a manalist? switch hitters have you have two swings to maintain, which is you know uh, he this this uh, analyst he is a man and an analyst. He was a switch hitter <laughs> in his big league career uh-huh. as well. Uh, now we'll talk. We're talking and very briefly about Greg Zahn, who um, out at Sportsnet has launched his own YouTube channel. Put up his YouTube show today, which was him um, uh, uh, sitting at his computer, um, recording himself, wearing a very, very nice suit. Um, I didn't watch all of it because it's Zahn. It didn't seem... It, so he's branded himself as the Manalist, Manalist TV, which is, of course, ridiculous, like the stupidest thing imaginable. But I watched a few seconds here and there, zoomed through... And it was just him doing his regular shtick, taking questions, talking about this guy's swing, and this guy got to come up, go down to AAA, just doing his normal kind of spiel. I'm sure someone will find something insane that he said in there, but uh, I don't know. What else is there to say about the Manalist? Yeah, the not, Manalist and his, and his MacBook Air. Not a whole lot, yeah. No, I mean, 
But I'm, we can I'm sure say. People, I'm sure people are going to hate watch it, but I'm sure you're like you say. There's somebody's going to find him saying something crazy, especially once the once he finds once he finds what that does to the sweet sweet uh, page views. You know, the crazier the better. It's uh, it's like that fucking goon Dean Blundell, who I don't think is getting any page views anyway. But it's it, it is very amusing to me to see these uh, disgraced rightfully disgraced uh mainstream people quote-unquote mainstream people uh turning into like like bloggers circa 2008 you know just like oh yeah. this is this is where you get your unfiltered fucking baseball shit you know we're gonna swear about baseball we're gonna telling it like it is you know in just such an over-the-top way i mean what a hack, what now, a hackneyed preface <laughs> all, all they're trying to do now of course though is like do what Barstool does, or get it, get themselves in some way affiliated with Barstool and get that sweet, sweet douchebag money. Um, yeah. Zahn's exit at Sportsnet opened up a seat beside Jamie Campbell uh, on the pre- and post-game show on Sportsnet, a seat that is now going to be filled by Joe Siddle. Interestingly, very, very interestingly, if we're being honest. So, of course, we spoke on the last show, I believe, about uh, Jerry... Uh, Jerry Howard's retirement, and uh, we wish Jerry well into his retirement, but now it's created chaos in the Blue Jays broadcasting world. As Siddle has moved to the TV side, which probably which means a lot less travel for him. Um, I am not alone, I think, and I really like Siddle on the radio. I'm yeah. a little bit bummed to see him go to the TV side um, because, as you said, and I, you know, I watch the games on MLB, MLB TV. I'm, I, don't get, I don't catch a lot of the, the pre- and post-game. Um, so his, his insight... While valued, I'm going to miss it on a personal level because I, I'm more likely to hear the game on the radio than I am to watch the pregame. Yeah, I, um, I'm with you on that. And 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 he, you know, I've seen people say he's a little bit, uh, he's a little bit boring. I've seen people say, you know, oh, he, he doesn't really rip into the team. He's a shill. Which I mean, you know, people are going to say anything about anyone, really, uh, because people are I generally. I, I don't get. I don't don't get the shill thing, but people love to to. Bring it out as an accusation when somebody doesn't it, share their ridiculous opinions, or is it doesn't doesn't fly off the handle and say like really rash, emotional, yeah, yeah. kind of personal, cutting things. And it's easy to it, when the team and the broadcaster are one in the same. It's easy to accuse someone of being a shill. When I think the real the real the the more realistic view of it is, he's a former player. He knows how hard it is to be a big leaguer, and. So many ex-players are reluctant to be critical of the players because they know they've been there and they know the creeping doubts that some of these guys have in the back of their head, especially the guys who are maybe on the on the margins or uh, as we see in the baseball landscape more and more, you know, once you get older, once you are, you are easily replaced and that that's not new. But it seems like there's an even, teams are a little bit more ruthless in if you are a Neil Walker, for example, as we talked about, a really good player. Okay, he's a two-win guy. Well, we'll roll the dice, and maybe we can find our own two-win guy uh, that we could pay the minimum to. So, with everyone's feeling like their employment is so tenuous, why would you, Joe Siddle, the guy who had a couple cup of, cups of coffee, he probably doesn't? It's difficult to be out there being like this guy's terrible, this guy's a bum, until you start to get a few years away from it, and you start to wear garish suits and realize <laughs> that, that that there's that there's cult there's cultural currency in saying those outlandish things that you maybe don't necessarily believe. But yeah. again, I like Siddle out I, not out too, of the yeah. radio, moved from radio to TV. Yeah, moved up, but I mean, now that's that's, uh, that's more visibility for him. Like you say, less travel, great gig for him, uh, but mm-hmm. to but to the radio broadcast detriment for sure. 
So we don't know. They 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 did mention in the press release announcing Siddle's move to the pre and post game. They uh, Rogers or the the Rogers PR folks or the sports PR folks said uh, there'll be an announcement coming in a few weeks about the radio team. Um, uh, and as it, what we've seen so far in the spring is uh, it looks like it's a bit of a um, uh, like a bit of a tryout. Yeah, a bit of an they open audition. Yeah, open audition. So you know, Wilner's always there. Wilner's been. Uh, the first week of games, Mike Wilner, uh, who, who we, you and I have stumped for a little bit here, I think Wilner does uh, does a fine job. And, and, and as we, you, we've said previously, it's hard for some fans who have known him through this J-Stock persona, which can be maybe pedantic and, and argumentative in a way that rubs some people the wrong way. Uh, they can't separate that from his game calling, which I think is a shame, and mm-hmm. that they're missing out if they can't do that. But Wilner was there with Scott Richmond, um, former Blue Jay, played, pitched in Korea, pitched in Taiwan, uh, you know, Canadian Canadian guy who uh, you know he had a shot at being kind of filling that ex ball player uh, seat. And yeah, I think you 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 remarked that he sounded maybe a little green at times, but was do but did a did a fine job. Yeah, I, I think he did. And and you know, I I don't say that as an insult. And I suspect that that Scott, any kind of you know, you would hear him on the broadcast acknowledging that you know this really his first time behind the mic. And and there were. It, yeah, he was a little bit green, but he's a guy who obviously is is a uh, is an affable guy, and I think would would get the timing better than he did in his first few things. I mean, it's a big stage to be basically doing an audition on, and, and you have to uh, respect him for doing that. And and I think uh, maybe grade on a curve a little bit. So I, I thought he did a really nice job. I think the guys who you know you can hear the professionalism of, of Rob Fay and, and Ben Wagner who have been doing the games this week uh, with Wilner in the background, and those seem like those are the guys who are really getting. Uh, really getting a look as Rogers is like, you know, as shitty as it is, because I think I agree with you about Wilner uh, uh, wholeheartedly about that people I think are missing out if they, if they let what they think of his, his persona, his shtick uh, on, on Jay's talk, if they let that color what they think about his game calling, which I think is, is, is excellent. And he's, and I think you said this uh, the last time we were talking about it, you know, he, he has been around the, the team. He knows the team. He knows the Jay's history inside out. He's, you know, uh, like there are few people in the city, uh, few people in the industry, in the world who have been, who know as much and are as deeply entwined with Blue Jays baseball as Mike Wilder. And I think that, that uh, to overlook that tremendous asset would be, uh, would be a mistake by Rogers, but but we'll see. I mean, the the, the Ben Wagner and and Rob Fay have done really awesome jobs. They they call a nice game. Uh, they got smooth pipes. Uh, they are very knowledgeable and 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 interesting guys to listen to too. Guys you like listening to. Guys I'm rooting for. I don't, you know, I don't really have uh, you know other. I you know I like Wilner personally. So and he's been you know over the many years the, this weird ride through the industry. He has been. Uh, good to me and, and, and always, uh, uh, you know, a friend and, and someone who's willing to give me the time of day when a lot of people wouldn't. So I'm a little biased, I guess, on that front. Uh, Absolutely. I can't, I, I would, uh, would happily cop to the same, uh, yeah. the same thing. But, but you know, it's, so it's interesting. I, I, I do think it's shitty that he has been such a good soldier for so long and, and sat and been the third guy in the chair for so long. And, and now that the, it looks like it's a chance for, for him to move up there, Rogers is, is saying, or Sportsnet is saying, you know, well, maybe we, maybe that's not the direction that we want to go. Um, but if that's what they, you know, I, I guess it's their, it's their right to do it. And, and 
you know, if the they 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 could not go wrong, I think, with either of the guys that they have in the booth uh, as well, because they, you know, I don't listen to too many Bison's games or Vancouver Canadians games, but I have a little bit, uh, and I think those guys have done a great job this week too. Yeah, I know a few people have, have also spoken about maybe um, giving like a Jesse Goldberg's. Goldberg Strauss is that his uh, Strassler? His yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Strassler. great too. He would be he would be excellent. Something that I I hadn't thought of until I I wrote a little bit about it was somebody was like, uh, don't forget Alan Ashby is uh, is without employment. He was let go I think at the end of 2016. Uh, and said, would they ever think of bringing him back? And I don't know if Ashby would do it because uh, I know he's a Houston guy and that's sort of his home base. And this was sort of, when he was here. It was sort of like a even though it was a few years, it was sort of a weird temporary thing I think for him. Uh, but man, that would be, that would be good. If you want to go the, if you have to, if you must go the X player route, or even if not, I, I really enjoyed him, uh, when he was doing the radio here. Um, Will Nernash, gonna, if, that would be, that would be delightful to me. If they could bring Gibby back, they could bring Ash, Ashley back. Yeah. Ashby. Uh, I'm all for that. Uh, yeah, no, so it's, it's just something to watch. And it's something that we talk about because it, uh, it, it the way that many of us, interact with the with the team you know you the 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 play-by-play the the broadcast team is uh is part of the experience and that you could see that in the way that uh the the warmth and the the outpouring of affection that came all from all across the game when uh, when jerry suddenly announced his retirement and uh of course you know everyone is pining for for dan shulman uh, to 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 do it you know which that's going to take more money than Rogers has, more money than God <laughs> to get yeah. Shulman. Uh, I mean, Shulman's, he's in the prime earning years, right? He can write his own ticket. He's a, he's among the best broadcasters in the, in North America. And the fact that he does any Jays games, we should be consider it as a fucking blessing because he's just such a pro. He's such a stud and he has a wonderful voice that I'm, not even so consciously trying to replicate or just trying to get myself there as I'm talking now. Can't. Uh, Dan Shulman, the best, um, and hopefully we get to hear about a lot more Jays games. And I, I don't, I think that I'm at, I'm to the point now where I think that one day he will be the Blue Jays play-by-play guy. It's not, it's a matter of if not or when, not if. But uh, I don't well, think it'll basically, be for a few yeah. years. It's it's kind of when he wants it, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, I kind of feel that too. Maybe you know, maybe not. But I could definitely see. You know, once once Buck and Tabby have their contracts up, and and those that's still a few years off, or at least a couple years off. Uh, one of those one of those deals where Shulman will do the the home games, somebody else does the road games, something like that. Just let him let him stay in in Toronto. We'll take eighty games, Dan Shulman, uh, uh, and be very thrilled about it. I think any game, and the the fact that he's calling them at all now yeah. uh, is is pretty great. Um, so that's it. I think we've gone on. This has actually been a long one. This has been a very long one. We were like, what are we going to talk about? And here we are, like more than an hour later, wrapping it up. So that's it for this edition of Superbad. Uh, this is the congrats so- Twitter. Thank you, Stoughton. Or uh, congrats, Stoughton edition. We're still going to do Superbad, of course. We have uh, the Patreon exclusive content that is going to. Uh, hit your ears if you are a Patreon subscriber um, right around the same time. So Stoughton and I are going to talk about um, some more of the nerdier stuff that's going on and what that means. I got some notes here, but we're going to talk about uh, the baseballs and the launch angles and who among the Jays may benefit from this sort of an outlook. We'll never really know, or maybe we do know. Um, so we'll talk about that, and then uh, next week we're going to start. We're going to keep rolling out the guests. So if, you know, we've had um, 
Uh, we've had a few guests here early in the, in 2018. Got a whole bunch more lined up. I put it out on Twitter. If there's somebody you want to hear, um, somebody that you know that we could get, <laughs> to keep that in mind. But uh, but let us know. Let us know on Twitter. Let us know on Facebook. Shoot us an email, and we'll see if there, we can get um, anybody. We'll you know we'll try. If if you guys, if you the listeners want to hear it, we'll do what we can to make it happen. So uh, shoot us a name. It, it doesn't hurt to ask, right? Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, what's what do you think Shapiro's up to? He can't, he's not that. He's not like Atkins. He's not evaluating players day by day, right? He's he's sitting in a boardroom. We can pull Shapiro for a, for a few minutes. I'll go meet him at uh, his five thirty a.m. You know, orange <laughs> or, Orange Theory class or whatever it is that he does to, to start the day, and I'll, I'll I'll talk to him. I'll hold my phone between us as we run on the treadmill and then do a bunch of rowing exercises. But uh, but yeah. We'll see what we can do. So, uh, so thanks, thanks again to everybody. Uh, congrats to Stoughton. And uh, we'll talk to you next week on Birds All Day. All right.